Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 to 13 that the Word of God is living and active, able to pierce between the thoughts and intents of our heart. We read the Bible, but what's even better is when we let the Bible read us, when we actually let it do its work in us. And, and you might say, well, I'm not really a reader and I don't really get it. Well, well, that's good. And as Will Messons, it doesn't matter if you're not a reader because it's not really a book. It's more than a book. It actually does something in you. The Word of God is the great revealer. COVID was called the great revealer. Um, my friend said that COVID was like a few beers. You got to see who the real person was um, underneath. But, but the Word of God is the great revealer. Just like COVID showed up maybe weaknesses in our workplace or weaknesses in our church or weaknesses in our marriage or weaknesses in our family, so too the Word of God points out things in us that we need to deal with. It actually does something in us. So I would encourage you to read the Word of God. Not as a tick the box kind of thing, but as a, God, would you let this do what it's meant to do in my heart? Uh, I'd encourage you to read it. And, and um, if you feel a pull towards the world, if you feel a pull to doing things that you shouldn't do, and don't worry, we're all there at various times, read the word because it will actually pull you back. Um, if you're like, I, I'd never really understand it, I encourage you, read it with someone who's able to talk to you about it and help you understand it. If you're like, oh, I don't really remember it after I've read it, it's just like I read it and that's it. Well, you don't remember what you had for breakfast two weeks ago, but if it was full of fibre, it cleaned you out and the Word of God will do that for you as well. You don't need to necessarily remember everything that you read. So verse 10 says, And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods, and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That is a very famous passage, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, as these people were feeling dejected and sad because they realised that they hadn't been following the Word of God, they were just, they were laid out, they were laid bare, but remaining there won't set you free. You can focus on what you've done wrong, but you'll just actually stay bound in that. You won't move on from your problem if you focus so much on it. It's great to feel bad. It's great to feel remorse. I keep telling Isabella, if you apologise and then immediately tell me every reason why you did that, that's not really remorse. You need to learn contrition. I'm trying to teach her that. Oh, she's up the back. Whoops. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, so there's a place for contrition. There's a place for feeling remorse. But then you, you need to go, we need to, as Christians... Go, well, praise God for the new day. Praise God that I've got a new day and I've got new mercies to move forward with. I could stay focused on everything I've done wrong and, and I want to feel bad about that. But at the end of the day, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we've got to pick ourselves back up. We've got to recognise we've got another day to give it a crack. We've got new mercies to go on with and we can feel a, a, a perspective change that will bring us into freedom. Uh, Mike Kramer first told me this analogy of a drum that had oil in it and trying to clean oil out of it. Have you ever tried to do it? That the best way is to actually pour it full of water and just put water in and the oil will float to the top and then you can just skim it off the top and throw it away. So rather than focusing on trying to get clean, just pour in the living water and let's let that thing float to the top and let God actually deal with it because it's his word that will deal with us. And then it says here, I love this, it says... Um, 
share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. So people, they're having this feast, but then they're going and sharing with the poor. And I love the thought of that they're sharing food with the poor. A couple of centuries later, and even at this time, there would have been the triumphs that rode through the streets and the people who had conquered um, and were conquering empires would have thrown out bread to the poor. Here, poor, have some bread. Here, poor, have some coins with my face on it to have some propaganda about how great I am. But this is different. This is actually going and sharing gifts food with the poor. That actually, I'm inviting you in to be sitting with me and we're going to eat together. That's completely different. And that's the way that God does it. He doesn't just say, you know, like this missions month. We, that's why we partner with missions organisations. We don't just throw money at a problem. We partner with people who are on the ground and who are going out and actually sharing that with them so that there's follow-up and, um, and accountability. And then this phrase, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Famous, famous phrase. Dan Coleman is going to sing the song that we used to sing. Oh, he's lost his voice. Uh, um, literally in the Hebrew, this is delight in Yahweh is a strong refuge. Delight in Yahweh is a strong refuge. So your strength, it's safety, it's protection, it's fortress, it's a rock. And it's joy that brings you to that place. Now, a couple of things to note. Firstly, Judaism is a religion of festivity. They, they have in the book of Leviticus in 23, eight feasts and fasts to help you with your worship and to help you remember the goodness of God. Feasting is an act of worship. Anyone want to bring it back? Yes, I'm in. <laughs> Feasting was always for ancient civilizations an act of worship. And so it was character. I mean, for goodness sake, they had four cups of wine at their Passover feast. Amen. Oh. Um, and so, so feasting was full of joy. Would we say that joy is a marker of Christianity? If we were to ask the world around us and say, what do you, if, if I say Christianity, what do you say? Do you think that what, what they're coming back is joy? <laughs> no, I agree with you. Now, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's because we've got the little communion COVID safe cups rather than a feast of communion. I don't know if it's our focus on abstinence that takes that away. I don't know if it's our focus on, you know, the condition of people's sin. Maybe it's our focus on trying to rescue people from hell. It's all weighty and necessary and good. But, but let's remember what we were born for, what we were made for. I loved what Luke said the other week. He said, our mission is to preach the gospel. Our mission is to talk to people about Jesus. But our purpose is to enjoy God. He made us to have relationship with Him, to walk with Him in the garden, to love Him and to get to know Him so well. That is our purpose. So our mission, sure, we need to let people know about Jesus. But our purpose, is, as it says, to know God and enjoy Him forever. Let joy, let's bring joy back into Christianity. Katie McCarrow, are you on it? Yeah. I know you are. I know you are. And number two, joy doesn't look like joy from inside out. You know, I love joy from inside out. But you maybe hate her. <laughs> you're, more like, you're more like sadness. You're like when joy is all like, um, be positive. I'm positive this will end badly. Joy, it doesn't have to look like joy. It doesn't have to look like, well, Bron, you, you know, you always want to joke. You always want to laugh. And I admit I am like a toddler in that way. Like apparently toddlers laugh 300 times a day. Adults only 17 times. But as George Washington said, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, 
But the point is, is that we delight in the Lord. It doesn't need to look like a personality. It doesn't need to look like a kind of spirit. It's, it's a heart attitude. It's a choice to delight yourself in the Lord. It's a response to the grace of God that says, wow, who am I to receive this grace? It, it's a decision, one scholar writes, to either stand in the sun or go and stand in a shadow. We make that choice every day. We, we all dealt life circumstances. What will we do? Will we go and stand in the sun or will we stand in the shadow? And I know that there's times where we feel like we can't get out of the shadow. It's, it's so difficult. But, but when, we, when we're presented with a choice and we feel like we can make it, where do we choose to stand? Or as one psychologist said to me, you can't control the birds that fly over your head, but you can choose which ones you let nest there. And, uh, and so that is the case. That is true. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Verse 11 says this, And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate. I don't know. If, sorry, I'm just going to let people up the back know that we're just all in the same room. So... <laughs> It's just a little bit loud. Um, uh, so um, to eat food, you know when you say things and then you think you shouldn't have said that, Bron? Because I've just had one of those moments. If you ever had a baby and then someone's like, everyone's looked at you because you had a baby, Sasha, this, you'll enjoy this one day. And then you feel super judged because you had a baby. Okay, let's move on. Verse 11, and the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, hush, don't wait for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. Verse 13, on October 9, next day, the family leaders of all the people together with the priests and Levites met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in great tail. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during festivals to be held that month. Okay, firstly, the best part about this in my mind is that the leaders of the families went to Ezra the scribe to go over the law in greater detail. They didn't say, oh, the kids' church have got that covered. They'll, they'll instruct my children in what God wants to do. They took personal responsibility. And so my question for you would be, when's the last time you had a spiritual conversation? When's the last time with your spouse you had a spiritual conversation? When's the last time you had a spiritual conversation with your family, with your friends? When's the last time you raised matters that matter? Because we could leave it up to kids church or leave it up to the preacher on a Sunday. But these family leaders took personal responsibility to instruct the people around them, the people they had influence over in matters of faith. They led the way not only in instruction, but in implementation as well. And, uh, and so what happened next is that they built these shelters and that was to remind them of when they were wandering through the wilderness and they had these, like, you know, on Survivor, the first thing you've got to do is build a shelter. They had to build shelters in the desert. They used branches and leaves and everything else. And so in the city at that time, they, even though they had houses there, they built shelters to show that they remembered the exodus, that they remembered the time that they're wandering in the wilderness. And so that brings me to another question, which is what traditions do you have that help you remember what God has done for you? Uh, we're about to celebrate communion this morning and that's one that we do as a church. But what about you personally? When I was a teenager, just as I come to a close, every Christmas Eve we'd watch whatever Christmas movie we'd watch and at about 10 o'clock at night, I'd go for a walk on our farm, just up the dirt roads. 
And I would imagine what it would have been like for a very terrified Mary and really nervous Joseph teenager just wandering through on a donkey trying to find a room to stay in Bethlehem and I'd engage my imagination and think about that and so then that that would then make me remember and feel like I was a part of by engaging all my senses in this cold night on a dirt road what it would have been like for them and then on Easter Sunday morning we were always in Coffs Harbour and I'd go down to Park Beach and uh, have this moment of awe and wonder as the sun rose over the ocean, and then write a huge, he is risen in the sand, and imagine the excitement that those women would have felt when they got to the tomb. So just having little things in our life that, that make us feel a part of the story and a part of our history, that's what the Festival of Shelters was all about. If you walked into the city of Jerusalem and saw these lean-tos everywhere, you would have been like, wow, this is what it would have been like for my ancestors. And so let's put little things in our lives that go, wow, this reminds me that I'm part of a greater story, a story that is incredible and epic and life-changing. Very good. Who likes the idea of, um, of our faith being one that's filled with joy and marked by joy? Doesn't that sound amazing? Isn't it good to know that we serve a God who actually wants to be full of joy and to um, outwork that into our communities? Hey? So it's a decision of the will a lot of times, isn't it? Because there's things that can come against us and things that affect us that try to steal our joy. But the Bible says that it's actually the joy of the Lord that is our strength, as Bron said. So it's a powerful thing. So I start all of that to say that that's not what I'm talking about today. But I thought it was a cool, um, a cool thing to remember. What I am here to talk about is influence, the influence that we have on our communities, the influence that we have on each other, on our families, and on the outcomes of things. So just a quick one. Influence is the power or capacity of causing an effect in direct or in intangible ways. The power or capacity of causing an effect in indirect or intangible ways. A lot of times the, the influence that we have on people is not really seen. It's not really, um, it doesn't have a, an instant impact. And that's actually why sometimes we can feel like we're ineffective because influence is sometimes covert, sometimes it's overt. A lot of times, though, we're influencing people and things but not seeing an outcome. Is that right? Have a listen to this scripture. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. When I... Um, when I first became a Christian, my, my background um, growing up was playing sport, playing footy, you know, and then as an as a older guy, I became a tradesman. And so everything I did was for a reason, for a purpose. You know, you, you go to football training to play on the weekend, you know. You become an apprentice for four years to become a tradesman and to work every day. And so any training that I did was always, there was always a game day. There's always a reason for it. And when I, when I first became a Christian, it, it felt like there was no game day. You know what I mean? It felt like there was no real way to outwork what I was learning. I felt like I was ever learning and never playing, never out in it. And, and it was a perspective thing because we were created before the world was ever even thought of. God thought of us and not only did he think of us, he created good works in advance for us to do. Now, that, that word is true of us all. 
put up your hand if you've ever felt like you're ever learning and never doing. If you felt a little frustrated that, you know, what is this about? Why do I come to church every Sunday? What, what is faith and how do I outwork it? I want to tell you that part of our frustration is the fact that we're called to influence. And influence isn't always automatic. What the, the problem will be is that if you don't understand the power of influence though, and you don't start the process, you don't have the conversation. Sometimes as Christians, we want to rush in and we want to get people to the end of the, progress, of the process. Um, even Paul said, some are called to water, some are called to sow, um, but God brings the increase, you know? But are we willing to be a part of the process? And, and, and Bron said just now, which, which was amazing, talking about the word. Did you know the word's doing a, doing a work in us? Do you know that God's very patient with us? You know? Isn't it good he's patient with us? And we need to be patient. But we need to understand one thing, that we are called to good works. And if you feel as though you're not outworking that, um, take stock. You probably are. You're probably investing in areas you don't understand. Or it could be that you've frustrated yourself into a place where you don't understand influence. And so you've maybe pulled back where you should be pushing forward because you are influential. You are called to do good works. That is why you were called. That is why you were um, created. Uh, John 15, 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my, in my name, the Father will give you. God backs us. God backs us in our desires. Have, have a listen to this. This is one scripture, and it's just different um, interpretations, different versions. Um, it's so, okay, 2 Thessalonians 1.11. With this in mind... We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Have you ever wondered what God's will is? A lot of times it's whatever's prompted by your faith. You see, when we were saved, God did a work in our heart. The Bible talks about not being able to trust the human heart. It talks about that a lot in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, it talks so much about God doing a work in our heart, taking out a heart of stone and putting in the heart of flesh, giving us the mind of God and the heart of Christ. So yes, in, inside your own natural self, you know, we can make mistakes, but you're not just in your natural self. You've got the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And so if you're ever wondering what God's will is, have a listen to this scripture again. It says that, and this is Paul, he's, that God might make you worthy of his calling that he's, that, and that he's by his power, of course, not by ours, but that's cool, that he might fulfill every good purpose of yours, prompted by your faith. Isn't that amazing? This is this next, next version, the New Living Translation. It says, so as we keep praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his calling, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Have a listen to this one, the Berean Study Bible. To this end, we always pray for you um, that our God will count you worthy of his calling and that he will powerfully fulfill your every good desire and work of faith. There's two things here, guys. 
We need to trust the work that God is doing in us, the influence that he has through his word and through his Holy Spirit. We, can't, we might not sit and just trust everything that happens and everything that goes through our mind, but we can trust the work of God that he's done in our heart. We ought to trust the fact that he created us for good works. We also need to trust the fact that we are agents of influence. Is there something that pops to your mind now that it's in your world that you don't like and that if you could, you would change it? You know, there's a, another scripture, and you guys know this, in James 2, uh, 22, it says that Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. Now, what I'm talking about, in essence, is that we can sit back and wait for God to do things that God is waiting for us to stand into. But we shouldn't expect instant change, instant breakthrough, instant results. We are agents of influence and sometimes we, all we can do is water. Sometimes all we can do is suck. God will bring the increase, but are we stepping into it? Do we really believe that God has our back? Do we really know that we're agents of change? Do we really know that before the beginning of the world, God had created you for the very purpose of good works? You are agents of influence. So in your frustrations, because we all have them, let's just take stock and look at it. Is this just a moment in time? Have I started a good work God will bring to the end? Or do I need to start a good work? Do I need to just put one foot forward here? Do I need to just have that conversation? Do I need to have that hard conversation with that person? Do I need to have that um, introductory conversation? Do I need to pull back from this thing or step into that thing? I don't know what it is that's going on in your world at the moment that you'd like to change, but I want to tell you God has got your back. Your serve influence that you have is unique to you. The people that know, the, the people you know, the family you have, the work influences that you have. You, you guys, us Christians, we're called by God to bring change, to influence. We're called by God to bring breakthrough into our worlds. Let's just not get frustrated. Let's understand that there's a process going on here. I love instant change, don't you? I love going to training on Tuesday and Thursday and playing on Saturday and knowing straight away where I won or lost. Even if I've lost, that's better than not knowing. When we go into our world, let's, let's just think about it a little bit differently. Christianity's not like that. Life's not like that. Marriage isn't like that. Family's not like that. You know, our faith in God isn't like that. Sometimes it takes a little longer to get a result, but you're still having a crack. You're still influencing. You're still able to change. And you will bring breakthrough because God has promised to bring breakthrough. So the full expression of your faith, also just a quick one, can, can't be contained in the four walls of this church. You know, you, are, you guys are agents of change here, no doubt. But out in the community, the people that you work with, your family members, everybody you, you come in contact with. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.